0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talk and Sophies with me, Peter, co-host Andy and our first ever guest making his and Sophies debut, Paul. How's it going, Paul?
1: All right, lads. Thanks for having me on.
0: You're very welcome. So, lads, I think we should start with the names on every Evertonian's lips at the moment and it's Alan and James Rodriguez. Um, the latest at the time of recording with Alan is that a fee has been agreed in the region of £23 million. Personal terms are yet to be agreed and a medical is yet to take place. Um, there's no further update on that one, but it does seem imminent, fingers crossed. As for Hammers, um, well, we're believed to, well, it's our understanding from Sky Sports and various sources that negotiations are now at an advanced stage. Fee of £20 plus million pounds is being rumoured. There's also rumours of a loan, so that should become clear in the coming days. Um lads neither have done deals at the moment and with it being Everton, you know, it's better to err on the side of caution. Hmm. But Paul, for you, how excited are you with the prospect of these two coming into the club?
1: I think from my point of view, I'm I'm really over the moon with the type of player that uh, we're looking to bring in this summer, as, as you mentioned, with um with Hamas and Alan are not necessarily players that we may have been able to bring in in previous years. And I think, obviously, Carlo Ancelotti knows both players really, really well. And I think that the fact we're able to finish 12th in the league last season and we're still able to attract players of that calibre and that quality, it just speaks volumes of um, Carlo Ancelotti's pulling power, so to speak. I think Hamas is still a world-class player. He's been really... Unfortunate at Real Madrid. I know he's out of favour, but when you consider that you've got players like Gareth Bale, Sergio Asensio, uh, Aidan Hazard, Esco. it's it, it's understandable that he's not had much game time. But even then, he performed really well at Bayern Munich. He was unfortunate with injuries, but just taking a look at him in the Bundesliga, it's not hard to see the amount of goals he scored, the amount of assists he made. He, I still believe he'll bring a lot to Everton. And as in terms of Alan, I think he's exactly what we're looking for in the middle of the park. We need someone aggressive, someone who'll put teams on the on the back foot with his pressing, he'll get us the ball. And I think he will make the likes of Andre Gomez an even better player. So as far as I'm concerned, I know I know people are worried about both of their ages, they're both twenty nine, but as far as I can see it doesn't matter how old well they are. They're both good enough. They're both really good players and that's what we need right now. I'm, I'm not too interested in sell-on value at this point. I, I just want two quality players at Everton and them two certainly fit the bill.
0: Yeah, yeah, you make some good points, Paul. Andy, I just wanted to bring you in um, on the Jamez Rodriguez chat. Um, obviously, you know, he's it's not official, but but it does seem close. If he does come in to the club, can you see how... Ancelotti is going to be able to fit both Gylfi Sigurdsson and James into the same lineup because, on the face of it, they seem very similar players. Yeah, I, I prefer
2: you know I, I prefer James Rodriguez and uh, myself. I don't think Sigurdsson has done enough, uh, especially this season. Uh, I think his performance has been poor. And you know you're talking the the, the difference in quality between them both, and, and they're not even you know close in comparison in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, I do think that. Um, <clears throat> Ancelotti does seem to favour Sigurdsson you know you've seen him with the armband near the back end of the season um, and you've seen a few things on social media which point out that he does seem to favour Sigurdsson so it would be interesting to see if he's got you know, uh, you know different plans than, than what in my team he might be dropping Sigurdsson a bit deeper I can't see that myself I don't think that would work but I do think that he'll want Sigurdsson in, around that team um, but if it was down to just between them two James Rodriguez gets in all day
0: Yeah I, I agree with, with yourself Andy we, we both done the, the squad review Paul I don't know if you, if you heard it but we were both of the opinion that we would like to see guilty moved on but it does seem just mm. on that first friendly when he was given the armband and he did play I think he played more or less the, the, the whole game it does seem as though he is part of Ancelotti's plan so for you it, could you see Hamas Rodriguez being put on the wing if he was to come into the club? Or, or is the, do you not think there's room for both of them?
1: I'll be honest. That's, I don't know about... I know you've mentioned there, boys, that you think Sigurdsson stays in the team. From what I am gathering, looking at the team at the moment, I think that we brought... Or we're bringing Hamas in to play in a 4 I think... I can imagine uh, maybe Anthony Gordon or Richarlison out on the left, uh, Hamas on the right, and then Dominic Calvary and Moise Keen up front. And then I think the whole point of us trying to buy Alan, as far as I'm concerned, bringing him in, bringing him in alongside someone like Abdullah Dakode and Andre Gomez, putting them in a free. I think Andre Gomez works better than a free anyway. And I think the fact that we're going after Alan and in the midfield, I think what Ancelotti was referring to when he wanted an evolution of the team, I think he's putting a lot of emphasis on the center of the midfield, and rightly so, because gilfie Sigurdsson, I know he's received a lot of criticism. He hasn't really flourished as the player we 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 thought he would be. I mean, he's done all right. He hasn't he hasn't been a flop in my eyes, but I think for the money we spent, I expect a lot more from him. And I think it's 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 we mustn't forget that he was part of a midfield that struggled a lot last season. It's not as I say, it's not just him. Gomez struggled, Tom Davis struggled, uh, and, and Fabian Delph was very injury prone. So I think the by putting the emphasis on the likes of Alan and Decore, I think that they're looking to play a four, three, three, three midfielders I would imagine Hamas uh, Rodriguez on the right, Vashalos on the left, and I think Dominic Carle up there up front. But I think then we do have the options. If, if Carlo Ancelotti does want to stick with four we've certainly got the option to do that.
0: Yeah, look, you made some good points. I, I have to disagree on Sigurdsson. I do think he has been a complete flop for, for the money we paid. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully it is a four three three because I, I would I wouldn't like to see Guilty. In the starting eleven, um, it is interesting though, Paul, that you mentioned the four-three-three. I spoke with Andy. Um Andy. You know, we watched the Blackpool game together, and Ancelotti went four-five-one start to finish. And I was just wondering if there was anything that you would read into it. Um, it, it, it. It is interesting for me that Hammers may come in and, and go on the wing, because in my opinion, you know, for what it's worth. My idea of a a winger is someone with pace, gets down the line, gets his crosses in. Hammers, to me, strikes me as a number 10 all day, plays between the striking and the midfield. So, look, he he hasn't come into the club yet, so we we need to get it over the line first. And if we do, then, um, you know, it'll be a case of, well, let's see if there is room for for Hammers and and Um, I just get the impression, I know we've only had one pre-season game, but I, I get the impression that, and Ancelotti does see Gale as part of his plans but I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that one um, but you made a point earlier Paula and again uh, I'm in agreement with that is Andre Gomez doesn't suit a 4-4-2 he, he is better in the three um, I said it with Andy and the podcast, Gomez needs energy and I think you know Alan in there, I know you mentioned the core I, I don't know whether that will happen if you bring in Hammers and Alan I'm not sure, I don't know whether It's Alan and Decoray, or it's one or another. Um, But, you know, from my point of view, I I agree with yourself. I think get energy around Gomez and you'll see a better player. But look, first of all, we need to get the deals over the line. And then, you know, if we get them over the line, then we can see what Carlo's plans are. Um, I've said it myself about this midfield, that, you know, I'm massively worried about the man I think in terms of, the, the level of ability that our midfield have I've said to Andy I think we are closer to the bottom four than the top four so if we can get mm. Alan and Hammers over the line then I think it does hugely change the dynamic of the midfield Um, but yeah you know just to uh,
1: just to come back to Alan, sorry Peter um, it's, it's worth remembering as well that this is a player who just in January was being touted with Paris Saint-Germain for a £60 million move so the fact that we're able to get him now no less than six, seven months later are uh, potentially £20 million. I think it's a brilliant bit of business and I know, again, people mention the sell-on value, but I look at James and Allen, and I think they're both two really hungry, quality players and more importantly, they want to play for Carlo Ancelotti and they want to come here. So they both got a point to prove and I'd be really, really happy to see them both in. You mentioned about the midfield struggling. I think them too, with a possible addition of the and I know you you think the you've got your doubts that the Korey might not be an addition to. I do genuinely think we will try for the core, along with Alan and Hamas. I think them too would be fantastic signings in the middle of that park, and I think they would give Gomez the license to to perform and not do as much of the donkey work the that he was expected to do last season. And I think it'll give him a new lease life Does having those players around him, as you mentioned. Yeah.
0: Well I think his
2: mean... um sorry you, I think his his pace and his lack of fitness coming back from injury was, was exploited, wasn't it? It was highlighted uh when he come back into the squad following the the break from lockdown. Um, yeah. so I completely agree with that, you know, getting getting a lot of energy around him. Um uh, people who are more natural at that side of the game, it would definitely help them. You know, you will see a lot more of his uh, playmaking ability, um, you know, his distribution, his dictating tempo. Um, I, think, I think I can't wait to see it. Hopefully, as you said, P, we can get them signings over the line, um, and we just have a, a stronger centre in the field to start off the season with.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Andy the um, Paul, touched on it before. Is this Paul of Carlo Ancelotti? And again, you know, just to emphasize at the time of recording that none of these players have come through the door yet, but, but you know, but by the sounds of it, they're very close. You know, without sort of being harsh to Marco Silva here, but to be blunt, are we getting these players if Marco Silva's the manager?
2: No, I don't think so, especially with Paul mentioned there as well. He made a good point of his finishing 12th. Now, I don't know any other clubs that are there to sort of um, sign these players, especially out of London as well. Uh, you know, you might have the 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 influence of a, a few players, you know, based in the capital of the city, uh, capital of the country. But um, you know, finishing twelfth, being able to attract these kind of players, you know, top as Paul just mentioned, top European teams after after Alan uh, Rodriguez, you know, coming from Real Madrid, has been a Bayern Munich. Um, I think that you know there has to be down to Carlo Ancelotti you know, that both play for him as well, so it just, it just highlights what a manager he is, that these top players um, want to come and play for him, and hopefully there's a few others out there as well who might be out of favour as some of the top clubs, but might highlight and I'm going say I'll go and play under Carlo, you know, he's building a great you know, he's building something great there, uh, and I want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, you're spot on uh, and I suppose, you know, from my point of view, it's almost, I think it it could be a domino effect for the club, that if you can get James Rodriguez through the door, I mean, he's a global, world-renowned name, household name, um, although, you know, the last couple of years, it might not have worked out for him, but he's a household name. You get him through the door, then you get Alan through the door, Brazilian international, and you've already got Richarlis, and then all of a sudden, Carlo and Chalotti, we do become more attractive. So hopefully it will have that effect. Um, I, don't, you know, I know we don't have the Man City money, but I, all, I always look at Man City when they sound to be, you know, it was like a game changer and, and there was a domino effect. It'll be harder for Everton because we don't have their money and obviously there's financial fair play now. But you hope that this Hamas-Rodriguez deal is... um is the real deal in terms of we we are getting a superstar that, that that we're hoping for, albeit at twenty nine. For me, that's a good age, that's when you're at your peak. But but look, you know, neither of them are done yet. Um so fingers crossed, we can get them both over the line and the next time we're on we're on our podcast, we are discussing them as Everton players. But lads, I wanted to whilst we're talking transfers and you know, you might say I'm just being negative for the sake of it. Um Something that has that irked me, not not just this transfer window, but the past couple of windows, well, past couple of years is I don't know about you, but for me, Everton seems to have an inability of keeping transfers quiet. Now I appreciate that the modern games moved on and you know, with social media and agents, etc. involved, mm-hmm. it's it's impossible, you know, to keep the transfers quiet. But Sort of go through them this summer alone. You know, Gabriel was half informed back in February, set aside. He signed for Arsenal today, but that got out months ago. About Gabriel, you go on to Heuberg with accepted, that got out. We spoke about the Corey, and that's not close yet. Allen and Hammers again, they're not done deals and yet the common knowledge. Even Dominic King a couple of weeks ago um, reported on Santiago. Arias, the, the right-back, that's nowhere near an advanced stage and he got to know that. So, I'm just concerned. I mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I enjoy the rumours and it gives us something to talk about, but I'm concerned that, whether it's the Mon game or not, that these leaks get out. I mean, to compare it, if you look at someone like Van Der Beek for Man United, that's come left field. He's had the medical. He's set aside. It's just my preference and, you know, I don't know whether I'm overthinking it. Um that, that Everton, you know, that the leaks are getting out, and it's a concern for me. And I think it, it never helped Everton at all that the Gabriel won't get out. Um, so for you, for you too, Andy, I'll start with yourself. Is this something that that concerns you, or am I just being a bit overly critical of, of what probably is the modern game now?
2: It concerns me when I go on Twitter and I see uh I see about 20 people tracking flights from all across. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, um, no, no, in no all seriousness, no, It's you've got a good point there. To be honest with you, you know, as you say, there, other clubs are seen to to be able to wrap up deals and they just come out the blue. Um, I don't know whether that's because we're not following that feed, if you like, and with ours we are. We're more sort of scrutinising sort of our, the club's moves. Um, but yeah, you, you are right. The, it does seem to be common knowledge all the time. Um and, you know, it's a bit concerning that other clubs have took players off as you look even look at Sosoko before he moved to Tottenham, who's coming to us. Madison as well There's another player, heavily rumored to come to us. Next man he's snapped up by Leicester. Um, so you've we've just got to be a little bit careful and we've we we can not be continue just being naive. But without knowing all the all the internals going on, it could be You know, it could just be natural that these stories are just getting out and good reporters are getting older and when they're credible sources, you know, it's then starting to spread.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is transfer rumours have have been going on (laughs) since before our time. You know, that's part and parcel of the game and, you know, it's a guilty pleasure. We all enjoy it. But I suppose really when when you actually analyse our rumours, the Gabriel one was was real. Everton were in for him and we thought we had him back in February. The Hoyberg bid was real. And it was accepted. Um we are in for the court, eh? That's common knowledge. So I suppose with it with Everton and those players, they are true. So yeah, you're right, we don't track other players so and other clubs, so we don't know whether it happened overnight it's, and sometimes it, it makes out. And we are best invested in our own club. So sometimes maybe what we over it. Paul, for you is this a concern?
1: Um, I think you've both made some really good points there, lads, but um from from how I think, I'm so I'm I'm sort of two minds on it, to be honest. I, I don't think from my perspective, I don't think there are the the leaks that you think. And I'll I'll explain my reasonings now. Uh, you mentioned Hoyberg before. Now, I think the world and his dog knew his preference was to join Tottenham over at Everton. Now, from what I've heard from people who mentioned the deal, there wasn't was an interest in Hoiberg. He he was a target, but I think once he made his interest, he made his preference known. I think Everton moved away from the deal. So I'm not. I know there was stories of a bit being accepted. I don't know how true that that actually is. From what I've understood, Everton walked away from the Hoiberg deal when he knew what his what his preference was. Uh, Gabriel was was unfortunate, as you say. He he was over at Finch Farm, he had he was undergoing a medical, we had the deal agreed, and then obviously the pandemic changed everything. Everton rightly went back to Lille, tried to restructure the deal financially. Lille, rightly from their point of view, had a deal agreed. Sorry,
0: Paul, sorry to interrupt, but, but were you right? Why why do you think we were right now that he's an Arsenal player?
1: Repeat that again, sorry, Peter.
0: Why why do you think Everton were right to restructure the deal? Because he's now an Arsenal player.
1: Okay. Um, I would say, in terms of the finances, from Everton's point of view, that the money they had, or the money that we were preparing to have, rather, in March, February, would I, I would imagine would be a lot more than what it is now. So say Everton, let's say theoretically Everton would have had a £100 million as a budget in February and March, the pandemic in my eyes will have seen that budget shrink. Which I mean, I'm, i might be I might be barking up the wrong tree. I'm just seeing it from my opinion. I think the I think that the Gabriel deal, Everton were obviously interested in him. I just feel they didn't rate Gabriel at that amount of money after the pandemic. Now We'll have to, to wait and see if Gabriel Lee could come on to, to play for Arsenal. He could end up being a multi-million pound footballer, similar to Van Dyke at Liverpool. Only time will tell. But I feel with Gabriel, Everton made that decision to try and restructure the deal to suit them in terms of what their budget would be now. When they realised that that deal wasn't happening, I think that they realised they needed to prioritise midfield and get that right. And prioritise that, which I think was the right thing to do. In terms of the leaks, I think I think a lot of it, to be honest, and, and Andy touched upon it before, I think a lot of it is to do with fans. I mean, we were we were talking just before we come on air about the what the Colombian press were reporting on on James Rodriguez. And I think a lot of it is fans wanting that like adrenaline rush from transfers and scouring Twitter. I'm the same, I know YouTube are as well. So I think that the more we're aware of it, and the more it appears to be dragging on, then naturally we are going to become a bit irritated. You you made a great point about Fandom be going to Man United, and that was that was fairly hush. But um, I, I do feel the the leaks, so to speak, I think they've lessened considerably over the years. I think Marcel Brands, from what I hear about him in the press, is. He doesn't He doesn't like to tell the journalists too much, and I, I it's very much a closed shop. He wants to keep his cards close to his chest. I think with Hamas, his, his name's been linked in the past. Obviously, he's got a close relationship with Carlo Ancelotti, so his name's always been out there since February or March. I think Alan's another player who's been mentioned quite a lot, so I understand them two being out. Uh, Decore's name's been mentioned quite a lot. He's a player who was linked to us um, during Marco Silva's time at the club. And Santiago Arias is a player Marcel Brands knows very well. So I think, I think the players that have been mentioned in the press, I think they have been linked with Everton for a while. And there are reasons for those players being linked with Everton and why they're in the press so often. But um, I think from from my point of view, I'm, and I know people have their own criticisms Chris's and the Marcel brands, but I feel what he's done this summer, I think he's had to be really, really patient. And I know you see a lot of fans on Twitter saying, I'll just pay the money and get Alan over the line. But I mentioned before, he's managed to knock over 20 million, 30 million off that price tag. So by playing the long game and being patient and waiting, we've got those players at the right deal. And I, I think to come back to Gabriel, Lille weren't willing to do that and I don't blame them because if you've got a deal agreed you don't want to go back on that Lille have to look after themselves and have to do what's right by their club but um, I just I just feel it is it is frustrating seeing the transfers drag on but I think as long as we're getting the right deal for the clubs uh, for the for the players and the clubs that we're pursuing then I'm fine with that I'll wait another few days if it saves Everton 20 million pounds Let's do it.
0: Yeah, look, the, the leaks. In my opinion, you know, I call them leaks, other other people wouldn't. But they they do they do frustrate, um, especially when they run mm. on. But you know, the in terms of Everton transfer activity, uh, whether there's leaks or not, you're judging it at, at the end of the window in October and see what we have. Um, I was playing devil's advocate with with Gabrielle. I was mulling this over myself, and if it was Everton that we're doing more Arsenal, we're doing letting, letting staff go. You know, people in, in the local city losing jobs and then bringing in people like William and Gabriel on silly money, I probably it wasn't city easy with me. Um, so, yeah, I think if Everton they try and restructure the deal and, you know, nobody had to lose the job at the club, I probably prefer that because, you know, we are the people's club and we should never lose sight of uh, that. If the finances aren't there, especially if jobs are at risk given the pandemic, then we probably did do the right thing. So, yeah, we, we'll see. You know, we, we'll we'll see what happens with the transfer window. But but sometimes, you know, when I know it's the modern game, it does frustrate. Um, moving on then to the players that we do have. There's been contract news this week. Um, Michael Keane and Anthony Gordon have signed five-year contracts. Mm-hmm. If we start with Michael Keane, me and Andy, Paul, we, we, we both discussed this um, in the squad review and that there is a player there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, at times, the way I describe it is when he's having a bad game, he can be, you know, shocking. Um, and, he you know, for me and Andy, is a confidence player. For yourself, are you happy to see him sign up for another five years?
1: I think... I, I... From from what I've I've seen of Michael Keane since Project Restart, I've got I've got to say I think he was our best defender since since the um, since post lockdown. I thought uh, he performed really well. He was he was quite solid at the back. His performance against Sheffield United in particular was fantastic. I think giving him a five year deal. I know there were a few raised eyebrows about that. But um, I see that, from my point of view, and I don't know what you and Andy think, I see that as Everton protecting their investments. We've got an England England international, centre-half, 27 years old. Again, we're talking about resale value before. Well, we've got a player here who's 27. He's a good defender. I, I don't think he's our best defender at the club. I think he's been our best defender since the project restart, but I think... He's a solid defender who I think will get better with an improved midfield in front of him. When we have, If we have Alan DeCorey, for example, in front of him, I think you'll see a better performance from the defence in general. But I think with Keane in particular, we are protecting that investment. If we do decide to sell him on after a year or two, he's not running out of years on his contract. We've got a number of years on him and we can get a good deal from that. So I, I I think it's a, It's a sensible move from Everton. I don't think it's the I don't, I don't think it's absolutely amazing news, and we should be singing from the rooftops about it. But I think it's it's a shrewd move and it's a sensible move and fair play to Everton for protecting what they have.
0: Yeah. How about you, Andy? Are you happy to to see Michael Keane signed up for another five years?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just going off what, what Paul's saying there. Do you know what I mean? He, he, um, I I also agree. You look. He looks solid coming back after COVID, um, and I do also agree that within the field that it's better with you know ball retention. I do think yeah. that you'll see a better Michael Keane. I think that a lot of the issues and terms of his confidence also is when we are very sloppy in possession, um, and it's just relentless attacks coming at us. You know, you are you're playing against really good teams as well, and it's just um, ongoing. is going to be it's going to be highlighted when he does make a mistake. And I think the mistake with Michael Keane can lead into three or four games of him looking quite ropey. Uh, so I think if we do have a, a, a more of a solid uh, midfield, you know, keeping the ball a lot more, it'll ease a bit of pressure off him as well. And I think that we'll see a good defender in them. At the same time, um, I was also hoping that we'd sent uh, the to our department to the team. Uh, but I'd be really happy if we, if we get a few centre midfielders in an attacking player. Uh, I know we've already just talked about them there, so I'm going to go back over them again. But I'd be really happy if we if we focus this transfer um this summer on, on getting some central players in central midfield players.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, Andy. Um, I slightly disagree with yourself. I wouldn't go as far as to say Michael Keane is a solid defender. I think when he when he's on his game, he, he is a solid defender, but he has lapses for me and and I'm still not convinced. Um I, I do want to see more. I've said it in the squad review. For our number five, I want more from him. But, you know, he's had a good age. He couldn't have a better manager. And in terms of the contract, I agree with yourself, Paul and Andy. I think five years is fine by me, you know, because at the end of the day, you do have to protect your investment. You're not saying, you know, contracts in this day and age, you're not saying Michael Keane's now in Everton, playing until his early 30s. What you're saying is, if he doesn't improve and we move him on, we're going to get good money for it, you know. um. So yeah, on the Michael Keane deal, for me, um, it does make sense, as I say, you know, whether he stays for the five years or not, um, it means having a guaranteed uh, money coming in if we do move him on. Um, so, Andy Gordon is another player, signed a five-year contract, and um, mm-hmm. me and Andy are very excited about this lad. Um, Paul, are you happy to see him sign on for another five years?
1: I'm, I'm delighted, I think. From what what I've seen post um, from from after project restart, I think he's shown a lot of glimpses of his talents. Um, I do think he's going to get better and better. And again, this is a lad who was being pursued by Bayern Munich last year. So um, I think it was essential that we tied him down to a five-year deal. He's I think he's going to be a tremendous footballer. And I think he's, he's, a, he's a kid with the right attitude as well. I mean, if you look at his social media, he's spent a lot of time in the gym, funnily enough, with uh, Lee Molyneux, former Hamilton player. And um, he's put a lot of work in during uh, pre-season. And I think he, he's, he's a lad particu- with a particularly driven personality. I think he's going to be a really good player for us in the coming season. Probably could probably could benefit from a loan deal in the championship maybe or in the Bundesliga but why not give him a go in the, in the team why not give him a prolonged run I think obviously we've got a woebe at the moment who so isn't exactly pulling off trees whether we whether we stick with a four4 two or the four three three I think he is an option now and I think from if I'm making an overall judgment from what I've seen after the restart, I think he could he could benefit from a loan, but I, I don't know. I, I, I would be more than willing to, to give him a, an extended run on the side and show, show yeah. what he
0: can do. I mean for me Paul, I mean i d I'll bring Andy into it now, but I massively disagree about the, the idea of Andy Gordon going out alone because okay. I said I said, you know, for me um, the last Few games after lockdown, I think when we knew Europe was up, some of the midfield performances were embarrassing. And that lad, that lad, shone. It's uh, him away, Sticks out. Came up, on the pitch. Yeah, he came on the pitch. He was throwing tackles in, and it wasn't just the, the determination, but, but there was talent there. He wants to get on the ball, run at, at his man, and I don't think Everton's squad's good enough to, to let this out alone. I mean, I said it in the in the squad review podcast. Awobi, one assist, uh, one mm. goal. Oh, sorry, it might have been no assist on one goal. Something ridiculous. Dear World Cup Bernard, you know these wide men at the club, they're, they're they're not showing anything that that suggests that Andy Gordon should be going out alone. I get I see your point. He's nineteen and he's got a long way to go. But given the current squad we have, unless Everton bring in absolute ballers at wide, um, then I think you know, you know. It's only my opinion I don't know about you Andy but the idea about the goal no one
2: else alone what are your thoughts on that? No I think obviously uh, I think he he will benefit from it you know getting a full season under his belt which you can't see him getting with us this season but definitely Mm. I I I love his attitude and you saying there some of them games where he he came on and he was getting he was getting stuck in but he he was having a real goal when the players around him wasn't Um, and, and that's the commitment I want to see from Everton playing on the pitch so if he's one of the only ones who, who was given it, I think he should be given a chance starting off the season. Um, um, it's going to spare's away. I probably wouldn't start in myself, um, you know, starting a new campaign. But I definitely I, I want to see a lot of him this season. Uh, whether that be a lot from the bench or not, I don't know. But I, I do want them to stick around the first team.
1: I think um, I think the thing to take from from it as well. Mainly, clearly, Ancelotti's got a lot of faith in him. And he's he's put him in the team a lot. He, he gave him, if you can't forget, he give him a fair start in the derby, at Goodison, first game back after the restart. So Ancelotti clearly rates him. And if if he thinks he's good enough to um, to start for Everton, then I'm not gonna disagree with him because you know <laughs> he's won lo- he's won all those European cups and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think as well, you know, we we all agree that this is a lad that has a go and he's got the right attitude. But mm. I think he's all, he's also got ability. You know, he, his assist—he he should have really got a goal. I think it was Sheffield and out of the way. He got a, an assist at Leicester at home, and he's a you know bright prospect. And um, I agree with yourselves. I think starting every week is probably a bit soon for him. He is still a kid, but mm. I, I listened to his his interview today, and, and he came across really mature. Yeah, um, he did level-headed, and he's a local lad, and we spoke, me and Andy spoke about a lack of character, 19 years of age, away at Tottenham in particular, that stand out, you got stuff in, you, you know, don't, don't lose sight that we need scouts in this seventh side, no matter how much money we spend, so for me, um, there's been talk that he might go out alone loan to Watford as part mm-hmm. of the, the Corey deal, but um, I, I hope that he's in the squad. The, the coming season, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I think we're all in agreement. Five year deal for him is is brilliant news for the club.
1: I think, um, oh, Peter, if he were to go on loan, I I, th- I mean I mean I think the championship would be a brilliant league for him to learn his trade. Off. I understand why Watford are being mentioned with him. As you mentioned, he's being linked as part of the Decore deal. I don't think Watford would be the best club for him. I think there's a lot of upheaval there. I think he would be better saved, uh, maybe. Someone the likes of um, I don't know Derby County or or even as I mentioned before even the Bundesliga. I think that would be a brilliant make for him to, to buy a trade if he is to go on loan. But
0: well, that's the, the big debate. Andy made a good point so when we were done the squad review, and um, we were both in agreement that we think it's time for Tom Davis to move on. And Andy said, you know, that's a lad that would have benefited from a long deal. So mm-hmm. hopefully. You know, we're a few years down the line, Andy Gordon's had enough game time if he doesn't go alone. Um, It's the circumstances, you know, he is 19, laying in the tree, but for me, I keep I keep harping on. I think a loan deal shouldn't be entertained because right now, you can't tell me a winger at the club who, who's performed better than him after lockdown. Richarlison was getting played up front, so then, you know, you've got Bernard, Walcott, and a be None of them were playing as good as Andy Gordon, so. For yeah, me, you know, I, I just don't think you, you, just because he's nineteen, it, it should be a long deal. But look, we'll see. You know, uh, what what I we'll would say is, whatever Ancelotti wants, I would go with. You know, so if Ancelotti is, is, of the opinion, he would be better safe going out alone than it uh, might a question him. like like you said yourself. Paul, well, this is a man who's who's, who's won a lot. So we all, trust all. The, yeah. So we'll see what happens, lads. I wanted to ask you about the internationals. Um, I get your thoughts on this. We're coming up into an international week, the same week Everton are going to be playing Preston in the last friendly of the season. Um, I mean, this is ridiculous for me. You know, we've got the risk of injury before the start of the new season. We've got all the travelling before the start of the season, and then you put in the fact that we're in the midst of a global pandemic. It it just it doesn't make any sense for me. How concerned are you two with this international break? Start with yourself, Andy. What what what's your take on all these internationals?
2: Shambles, isn't it? That's all I've got to say on that one? I just, I I just, there's already been so much, um, you know, adapting that has had to go on. I just think it's it's quite unnecessary. Really, do you know what I mean? You've got you've got a lot of players that are having to travel for these international games when you know, it's everything's still uncertain. You've seen um it was it Pogbez just, just had to be pulled out for, for getting COVID nineteen and Positive, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think it's just unnecessary at, at this moment in time. I, I understand domestic football coming back. Um when it, I wasn't I wasn't for it necessarily, but I, I understood it coming back and you know it was starting a new season. But in terms of internationals, as you're saying there, you know, injuries is one thing, but people being away from their families are, are, during this, you know, I, I, not even just the players talking, talking the the back backroom staff being away from the families when all this is going. on I think just it's unnecessary.
0: Yeah, I, I, and the other one there you mentioned, Pogba um, Adama Traore. I don't know if he's actually with Spain or not, but he's tested positive now. Um, look, I think the nature of the virus, it, it, it's going to happen, and more players will test positive. Whether they're on international duty or not. But it just, mm. the timing of it all just seems bizarre. Um, Paul, I wanted to ask you we, we've just had the Black Bay rules friendly cancelled. Um, originally, we were going to do uh, a watch along and then record the podcast after the match. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we play Blackfield, the Black games cancelled. It's either, we don't know the reason, but, you know, we're assuming it's either due to the lack of players or. Maybe a potential risk of, you know, a local outbreak with coronavirus and Blackburn. But either way, it means that we only have one friendly left and and that's Preston this Saturday. And again, you know, I don't want to be negative or pessimistic, but I'm also not just going to, as a fan, not just going to think everything's hunky-dory. I think for me, we played Blackpool and then we play Preston and then that's it. It's sat in my way. I just cannot see how Everton are going to be ready for that one. Um, Are you as concerned as me, or or are you a bit more optimistic?
1: I think, obviously, I think you've got your reasons to be concerned. It's it's not a lot of um, turnaround, really, until the Premier League season starts again. And having two fixtures um, against Blackpool and Preston isn't ideal. But... um, I just I just think it is what it is. Um, I would like to think we can try and arrange, even if it's a behind-closed-doors game, to get the players' fitness up. But um, I, th- I think what you mentioned before about the international games, I think there's a lot of football being played around ar- around the world at the moment anyway. I, I was looking at Tottenham on Twitter the other day, uh, Harry Kane's potential fixtures, over the next month or so. And it's just something unbelievably ridiculous. And he could potentially be playing, I think it's 12, 16 matches and in, in just under two months, it's, it, it's something really, really daft. And I think a lot of players, obviously we mentioned Paul Pogba and Traore as well, you mentioned testing positive for coronavirus. I think a lot of players are going to pick up injuries as well because of the amount of football being played in such a short space of time. So um, it's n- we're in unprecedented times at the moment with with the virus. In an ideal world, we, we'd be playing Real Madrid uh, at Goodison followed by similar level opposition to prepare us for the start of the Premier League season. But I just think with with the pandemic at the moment, it's it's a double-edged sword. And we can only do what we can realistically do before the season starts.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, the level of opposition um, doesn't interest me as much as others. Um, Okay, you know, I think the higher level opposition, the more ready you would be from that game. But I think at the moment, it's just, you know, getting 90 minutes in the legs. And I look at Tottenham and they they will have played double the friendlies we have played now, Tottenham. At a better side than us at the moment, you know, based on last season. Um, and I, I don't know, Andy, for you, how concerned are you? Because I just look at it and, and I, I do question, have Everton done enough? Uh, has Everton's pre-season schedule? I understand it in a pandemic, but have Everton got, got the pre-season right? Because they, they cancelled the, the black man friendly without any explanation. Um, I know Paul did mention that hopefully they'll be a behind closed doors friendly according to the Liverpool F home. Like, oh, Everton don't have any plans to so an angel friendly. So that Preston game, which will be without any international players, that'll be it for Everton. then. for you, Andy, going away at Tottenham, starting a new season, how realistic is it for Everton to get a result here given the lack of games we will have played?
2: Um my my biggest concern with it is, you know, the change of formation in, in the Blackpool game. You know, uh, you, you'd like to think that there'd be a few games before the season starts where we were able to sort of try and cement a formation, uh, a way of playing uh, for the players in the competitive match to get used to that system. Um, but uh, Paul just made a few good points, you know. What I mean, realistically, given the situation we're having to, um, you know, adapt and, and accept the situation that that we are faced with, but uh, you know, it's Tottenham had four, four pre season games
0: by, compared, by the compared yes. to our two.
2: Exactly. So by the, t-
0: the time we play, Tottenham, they will have had double the games we will have had. And and we're already starting from a position where Tottenham, at the moment, with the squad are better than Everton. They're the home side. It just seems as though we're up against it because of the lack of... For me, I might be being too harsh, but I feel there's a lack of preparation. I mean, do you not think we could have got another game in midweek if the Blackburn game was, was cancelled?
2: You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there would be a, a team knocking about from corn who played hard under-23s <laughs> and I'm sure, sure they would have okay. been up for the, for the game. Like Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there would have been teams about even if it was for that that 90-minute run out or even just, just trying to cement their formation. But behind a close you know, behind the, the, the scenes of Finch Farm there might be a lot of um, you know, sort of competitive football going on maybe with against the under-23s or something. So Hopefully, uh, trusting Carlo, hopefully he didn't get off to a good start, but I, I think you're right to be concerned in terms of the preparation compared you know, on the two teams.
0: Yeah, I suppose the last thing I would say to put a positive spin on it is when we went into lockdown and came out, I was critical of Everton then. that We seemed to be one of very few who never arranged any friendly. We just had the... We went right back into training and then had the derby, and I thought Liverpool would run rings around Everton purely based on fitness but but that didn't happen and, and Everton's fitness was actually at a decent level so maybe I Finch Farm mm. there's a lot you know I Farm there could be a lot more work than what I'm giving them credit for but and I understand it's not your traditional pre-season but for me I am really concerned that, that Tottenham game fitness and not just fitness but, but but you know the fitness and then as you touched on Andy we played one game 4-5-1 so how in one game against Preston are we tactically going to get over what we want? I really doubt you would see James or Allen in that game against Preston. So if those players do come in, then that's it. You know, it's, it's the, the start of the new season. So maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe it's the same for everybody. And the first few games of the new Premier League season, everybody will be in the face, etc.
1: I think I think you're I think you're right. To uh, obviously you mentioned Spurs, I've had a lot of uh, pre-season action, but I think everyone else on the crux of it are in the same position. We've all we've all got to play the same amount of games in the same um, the same same duration, same time period. So I think no. Ideally, we would have liked to have had a few more games under the belt, but I I am sure that Angelotti and the rest of the staff will have the players fully prepared for. The start of the season, one
0: way or another. Fingers crossed, eh? So, lads, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on Everton's new day, kit?
1: Go on Andy, you first.
0: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> is, is, is it that bad? <laughs> no, no, I, don't
1: nah, agree.
2: Nah. I think, uh, I think Hummel have done a solid this season. Like, I think the kits are brilliant. Uh, even the training kits, I think all of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, with a third kit yeah love it love the um, sort of you know the from the sales point of view and sort of getting the Everton and the community team together um, you know people with disabilities being sort of you know that, that inclusiveness from our, from the club as yeah, a whole I think absolutely. it was an absolutely brilliant idea um, and it just really showcases that we are the people's club I know I've seen a few people this week saying that we need to lose that sort of mantra like but uh, for me, we are the People's Club, and I think that just that was just part of it. Um, it's what we do. We, we look after each other. I think it was brilliant. Yeah, but in terms of the, the quality of the kit, I think it's lovely as well.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It's a nice strip. I um, know green isn't our traditional colours, but yeah, I think it looks smart. And, you know, Andy, you're dead right. I think full credit must go to Everton for having those disabled players modelling the new kit. Um, I read that was actually to celebrate 20 years of Everton in the community. Um, their their disability program. So those players uh, are very much part of this club, and, and I think the innovative ways in which Everton continues to engage with the local community, it, it's a admirable. And um, so yeah, I think it was absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I'd say it's a good start for Hummel. Um, I know there's a few PL badges, but in terms of the strips themselves, yeah, they look smart. Um, wanted to move on and, and ask the two of you about the, the latest stadium update um, the, the club have announced to the fans that they anticipate work beginning in early 2021 mm-hmm. they've, all, they've also said that we can expect objections from historic England and, and a heritage body on behalf of UNESCO now for me it's, this is it's difficult not to be biased but I'm not just talking as an Evertonian now, but, but as a scouter, the last couple of years I've lived in the north end of Liverpool, um, and, and the north end of Liverpool. If any listeners are unaware of the area, it is in desperate need of regeneration. Um, personally, it, it does frustrate me that it's took football club to come along for the north end of Liverpool mm. to have this regeneration. It's thirty years, you know, too late. It should have been much, much earlier. Um, but look, I, I do accept. You know, those with objections and reservations, they've got every right to be heard. Um, but, but as someone who's lived around that area, of Liverpool, it does frustrate. It's completely derelict. There's nothing going on, and nothing has been going on for some time. So, I mean, I don't see how this doesn't go ahead uh, purely for the benefits of the city. Um, and I don't want us to get bogged down in possible objections, but but given what Everton said about expecting... Historic England and, you know, UNESCO to, to potentially object. Do you to have any concerns, Paula? Are you slightly worried about possible objections?
1: Um, I'm not worried. I, I think I think you mentioned that those organisations, uh, UNESCO and the Heritage Society, I think they've got, as I just mentioned, they've got every right to object in, on on their grounds, whatever they may be. Um, but you mentioned, I think, the northern Liverpool is a part of the city that does need a, a lot of investment, and I think this. I'm not. I'm not talking as an Evertonian. I'm talking as a scouter and someone who's really, really proud of the city. This deal that Everton and the council have on the hands will bring an awful lot of revenue to the city. It'll create jobs for people, which is a huge plus given the times that we're in under this current government. But um, I, I don't see – famous last words to talk about – I don't see this getting called in, so to speak. I, I think that this is a deal which benefits everyone in the city, no matter what way you look at it, Evertonian, Liverpool fan, Shamir, whatever. It, it's a deal that will bring in a lot of money to the city, and that can only be a good thing. And I, I don't know what Andy thinks, but I, I don't see any objections being a problem. I think some of the organisations themselves even said that they fully support Everton's project, but they, they needed to make the objection on certain grounds. So more power to them, but I just, I don't see how it gets delayed or cancelled now.
2: I think Everton would have done the due diligence on this one and sort of anticipated any any sort of, um you know, Blockers coming in, yeah. From yeah. People and, and and these these organisations have the stakeholders that they they're held accountable to as well. Do you know what I mean? So if they were just seen not to be, you know, uh, picking up on any issues at all mm. or sort of letting everything slip by, then you know, it wouldn't be able to be justified in doing that. So I'm guessing from the outside, uh, so I completely understand, and I, he's are completely right they're, they're entitled to to be able to to uh, show the protest there. But I, I think Evan would have already anticipated this. And after sort of um, the protocols in place to get, to get through, get by and get started in the stadium in 2021. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think Andy made uh, an excellent point there in terms of, you know, they are stakeholders and you and can't be seen to just line down to every proposal ever may. So, yeah, yeah, they are entitled to, to, to raise objections. And sure, you know, we don't know what the reservations are. They might raise something that, you know, you can... Hold your hand up as a club, or as a fan, to go. You know what? That's a fair point. But we'll wait and see. Um, you know, everything looks on course. Um, I just wanted to ask you uh, about the designs. If we just, I'll go through them briefly as to the changes to, to the stadium. So we've got the west End facing the River Mersey. That's now going to have a, a step plaza. We've removed the multi-storey car park. Um, the solar panels will now be relocated to the stadium roof, which will free up space around the ground. Um do under tribute to Archibald Leach, um, the, the lattice work is now going to be more obvious on the on the brickwork of the, the stadium. Um in terms of the weather down at the Mersey I know that is a concern for fans is Steve. Some of the most exposed areas within the stands are going to be better protected for the supporters for when the weather is bad down there. Um I mean there's a, there's been a slight reduction in the overall height of the stadium, but that's not going to affect capacity, and given it hasn't been built, yeah, we can't really <laughs> have much of an opinion on, on on the reduction in height. Um, so the two of you have saw the the pictures and the images. Are you excited uh, about the the slight changes. Um, have you got any in particular that stand out for yourself? I, um,
1: I've I'm a big fan of the the statue outside the ground now. The, the, um, I think that's going to be that would be a really... I'm just, I'm just imagining a sunny day in May when we've won the league and we're outside sitting on the steps with a crate. Or we're losing 3-0 at home to fucking Leeds or someone like that. On, and be, on fancy an pitch. early dart. And,
2: and it's pissing down. It saying, and, it, and it's pissing down. <laughs> 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 it's just a a dull cloud over the ground.
0: <laughs> do, do you know what, Paul? I'm glad you said that. I think the steps are the ones that have caught the fans' imagination of, of you know a sunny, a sunny August fixture or, or a May fixture down at the docks with a few beers. But what everyone I've heard is, is referred to the steps as a meeting point when we mm. get beat 2-0 with like 20 minutes ago you're <laughs> the first person who have heard talking about a trophy in this new stadium but sure I suppose that's Evertonians for you Um are you excited Andy is there any any standout changes for you Um
2: no not really I mean obviously I can, I can tell uh, the the changes to the ground like, but I, you know I loved the the design before and as well but even mm. more so now do you know what I mean it just looks like a, a ground uh, I mean I love Goodison Park don't get me wrong but it looks like a ground that I, I, I get a good feeling when I look at the pictures of it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's going to be success there. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know the other half from the city might be uh, laughing at us and saying things like that, but we've got to. Do you know what I mean? We've got to be thinking that way. Um, you know, the, the, the investment that's getting put into the club and the groundwork that's getting laid now, hopefully, um, that, that's going to pay off. And we've got to be thinking that with that sort of mind, uh, mindset. So. Yeah, I get a good feeling when I look at the pitches and I can see he's been successful there.
0: I think you're spot on, there? And I mentioned it earlier about this domino effect. If if, if Everton signs someone like James Rodriguez, obviously, you know, the proof's the important what he does on the pitch, but in terms of off the pitch, what he brings to the club in stature and then, you know, bring in players of Allen's quality as well and keep hold of the likes of Charleston and then that domino effect continues into a stadium like that. Um then I think it is gonna put ever on a platform for bigger and better things. Obviously that's the hope. Um and I know with designs as well, when nothing's been built and the designs altered, um, it's hard to really, you know, comment on the designs because you know we were happy with the original design. So we'll wait and see. Um, but definitely is an exciting prospect for the club. Um so that's it for this week's episode, lads, of uh, talking toffees. Um Huge thank you to Sir Paul for coming on. Hopefully That'll next work. time thanks very much. Hopefully next time we will be discussing um Everton's confirmed signings in, in Allen and Hamish Rodriguez. You never know, we might squeeze one more in there. Um and also, you know, hopefully we'll see a, a solid display versus Preston. So take care and thanks for listening. Up to Sophie's.